Hi, Phil Spencer here, and this is Mortgage Insider from Barclays, the podcast series for mortgage brokers. I'm a property expert and sometime TV presenter, and every fortnight I'll use my experience to get to the heart of the biggest issues in the mortgage sector. I'll be joined along the way by industry leaders, brokers, and indeed Barclays' own experts who'll share their insight and expertise to help you navigate the challenges, changes and opportunities in the world of property. Help to Buy, the scheme that helped buyers purchase a new build home, came to an end in March. But getting on the housing ladder remains incredibly difficult for many. And in an earlier episode, we looked at some of the mortgage options that Barclays offers, but we wanted to find out more about the government-backed and private schemes that are available to help first-time buyers and to find out what brokers need to know about these schemes. And just to point out, we recorded this episode on the 24th of October before the autumn statement and the latest Bank of England base rate decision. So I'm really pleased today to be joined by Mabeen Akram, who is New Homes Director at the Mortgage Advice Bureau. Mabeen, good to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And Mitch Atkins, Director at Michael Usher Mortgage Services. Hi, Mitch. Hi, Phil. How are you doing? All good. Yeah. Really keen to sort of unpick this because it's a a complicated topic. But if we can start with help to buy and, and sort of reflect on it a bit. Why was it introduced? When did it start? And of course, it's ended now. Or has it, in fact, has it all completely ended? Where where are we at? Well, take um, us back. Well, let's take you back. Yeah. So I believe it started back in 2013. From memory, that's a long time ago. To think back to that, I actually have helped to buy uh, myself. So it has certainly helped a number of people in the UK to get onto that ladder. Just what was the initial purpose? The, the, the initial function? purpose was to essentially help developers, I believe, uh, to get these houses uh, built and sold, but also the 5% deposit from clients, uh, from applicants um, who haven't got that large 30, 40, 50,000 pounds deposit uh, with the government um, helping with a 20% equity loan. Got it. And Mabeen, am I right thinking, I mean, it has ended, but I read somewhere that actually it's still functioning in Wales. Is that right? Absolutely. So, I mean, just back to your initial question about why help to buy. It's been incredibly successful. So it's helped more than a quarter of a million people to buy a home. Mm. So ultimately, it's helped people who who couldn't afford to buy a property with a little 5% deposit, have a 20% interest-free loan funded by the government. So it helps your loan to value, I guess. And it's helped many people, whether you're a home mover or whether you're a first-time buyer, yeah. get onto the property ladder. And if you're a home mover get a bigger property if your personal circumstances have changed so Mm -hmm. it's been incredibly successful and it's helped a lot of people Mm -hmm. so in scotland helped by finished i can't remember the exact date but um, i've been out of edinburgh for a few years and it was before then and um, the market is still resilient people are still moving so it was withdrawn from scotland however it's still active in wales and um, it's still active in wales that's right and i understand it's still active however it's a completely different market isn't it because the purchase price is far more affordable so i think the cap the purchase yeah. price cap is 300,000. Yeah, 300,000. So did it just run its course? Why did it end? It's a great question. Why did it end? Why did it end? Do you know what? I, th- it's been, I think <laughs> Help to Buy has been inflationary. It's not, I think from a government perspective, yeah. it has driven or contributed towards house prices. Yes. So yes. I think it's 
probably quite political that it has been inflationary because it has yeah. been helpful. Yeah. And I guess um, it's not just helped to buy. When you had the stamp duty discount, then you had the pent-up demand during COVID. Mm. So I think there were a lot of factors that contributed towards inflation, as mm. we know. But I think help to buy hasn't been popular politically because it has been okay. inflationary. It's strange, isn't it? Because when it was launched, you say, Mitch, was it 2013? Yes. Mm. But, you know, we all celebrated it and, and continue to celebrate anything that helps first-time buyers Absolutely. get on the ladder. Yeah. Fantastic. Applaud it. Yeah, but that, actually, it's probably gone too far. That 2013 Absolutely. scheme was actually open to everyone. Um, it was only 2021, I believe they changed it right. to first-time Just buyers first only. Time buyers. Um, okay. But then there's other schemes that have come in since then. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of those schemes. What's available now that that specifically relate to new builds? From a new, so from a new homes perspective, there are options out there. You of course have the first home scheme, which is thirty percent discounted off the purchase price. So if you are sorry, somebody who's eligible, it? sorry, what did you call it? First home scheme. First home scheme. So it's it's funded by Homes England, whereby you, if you're eligible for the scheme. So if you're a key worker or a person or living in the local vicinity, you get a discount of 30% of the gross purchase price. So you have to be eligible, though. The issue, I guess, with the scheme, although it has been popular and it has been a success, Mm -hmm. it is limited to who can actually qualify for the scheme. So Home England pledged, you know, 10,000 homes um, and it has been successful. It's an option, but it's not helped to buy and it was never Mm. meant to be helped to buy. So you've got the first home scheme, which is good and it's it's delivered what it was meant to deliver. You've also got shared ownership, which I think Mitch is going to cover it in a moment. But in addition, you've got 95% loan to value products on a new build. So you've got the HBF product, which is deposit unlock, which means from a customer perspective, you get to buy a new build property with only 5% deposit. And of course, you've got own new as well, which are, they're both good options. No, they're actually private. So they are private schemes that are available, but it allows a customer to buy a property of 95%. And the key difference would be with help to buy, for example, the customer puts in 5%, but then you get 20% interest-free loan, which will reduce your loan to value. Whereas a deposit on Luck and Own New, the affordability still remains a concern because not everyone can qualify for that 95% loan to value. However, on the same aspect, you know, you're being able to buy a property with a lower deposit yeah. as well. Um, but you've... Are both those schemes only possible on new builds? So I think with um, Deposit Unlock, yes. It's specifically for new build properties. Um, With Own New, it's available on second hand as well. But there also are other lenders who are innovative. For example, you've got Generation Home who are offering joint borrower sole proprietor where you can have family and other uh, other members help. So there are options out there. Mm. But I guess from a first-time buyer perspective, it's difficult because inflation has driven up house prices, lenders are tied on policy and criteria, mm. affordability is, is a concern. It's, tough. it's, it's tough. really hard. It's a hard for a first-time buyer. Mitch, how about some of the other schemes that are around yeah. at the moment, um, right to buys and lifetime ISAs and things? Yeah, I mean, uh, right to buy has been around for, for a long time. And actually, it's probably less frequent nowadays mm. because you, you have to... Uh, have been in uh, affordable housing, council housing for, for a number of years. Are, to get, to are get people still qualified? Yes, they okay. are. Um, okay. I think we're seeing still inquiries, mainly from the, the outskirts of central London. Yep. There's not as much of it around and it's sure. not necessarily 
geared to those first-time yeah. buyers. It's more those people that have been in, rented for, for a number of years and at that opportunity. What about uh, lifetime ISA? Lifetime ISA, yeah. So it's interesting, this one, because it was a bit of an upgrade on the, the help-to-buy ISA in the fact that you can buy up to, I believe, £450,000. It's actually limited in the fact that you can only put £4,000 a year into this, uh, okay. this uh, lifetime ISA. But the 25% bonus on top, uh, as well as getting interest paid annually as well, monthly, however they, they pay it, it's actually a, a good way to save if it's okay. not for a, a first home. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can use it for later life savings as well, or the interest, the, the funds itself in the mm-hmm. ISA. It's a tax-free wrapper. Yeah, so, it's got to be good news. Yeah, absolutely. And if I think we worked out the other day that if you paid into it uh, from the, the age of 18 up until you were 50, you'd have something like 160000 in that ISA, which is a, is a great asset for, for later life if you're not going to use it for your, your first purchase. So it's it's a double scheme, but it doesn't necessarily... It's not, a, it's not a silver bullet, so to speak, for, <laughs> for, for the industry. Can I ask you both what you make of, of shared ownership schemes? And, and, and I know there's lots of different schemes and, and people need to read the detail and understand what they're getting into. But generally, what do you make of them? Shared ownership is an option for first-time buyers. And I think if we have as many as options as we can, yep. that's great given the current climate, the volatility uh, economically. So I think... It's a great way for first-time buyers to get onto the property ladder. I think we're in this country, we still want to be homeowners. Yeah. So I think there is a bit of a stigma attached to shared ownership that, okay, you don't fully own your property. And I think the customer demand is still um, that we should own our properties outright. But I do strange, think... isn't it? Because actually the bank owns them. Absolutely. Exactly. But I think it's a great option for a customer. And um, it now allows you to get onto the property ladder. Yeah. And we've seen an increasing amount of shared ownership mm. options come onto, um, okay. come onto the stay. market. Absolutely. And it's been increasing as the new homes market in particular sales have reduced across some builders we're seeing more and more shared ownership with housing associations and and jvs with house builders if nothing else it gives people control it gives them you know they can't be kicked out it is their home absolutely yeah i think as well the scheme is there for people that uh, a young family for example don't really want to be in that one two bed flat they can't afford to make that jump to a two, three bed house. Yeah. Uh, they want the garden. They want the extra space for work from home, mm-hmm. etc. It gives them that facility to own a home at that purchase price, but yeah. obviously with a discount on. Um, I believe it starts from 25% in most cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I absolutely echo what you've just said. Mm-hmm. I think it, if there is more schemes available for first-time buyers, that's only beneficial to the market and keeps that, that housing market moving. And we need yeah. more of that, especially, I mean, if you're looking, living in the southeast, it's so unaffordable. So it helps. Mm. Shared ownership is an option where you've, if you've got a lower loan-to-value, um, it allows you to buy a property, which you couldn't yeah. normally do. What about the regional picture? Is it is it different for, for different parts of the country or are there different schemes that are more popular in the north or south or...? Yeah, I, I think the, the regions that are naturally more expensive will exercise these schemes far more. Um, if if houses are more affordable in certain regions, yeah. then you're going to see less of a take up on these okay. on these schemes. The issue with the regional picture is each local authority and scheme has different regulation and the rules. So we need a bit of uniformity yeah. across, like, which was great about Help to Buy, that it was yes. pretty uniform in terms of who qualifies for yeah. it. So the regional picture does vary, A, because some properties are more affordable than other areas. So we find the northwest 
in particular Yorkshire ticking over uh, in terms of property sales, um, in particular for new homes, um, because they do remain more affordable. And we mentioned Scotland earlier in mm. comparison to the southeast. But in relation to schemes, I mean, the first home scheme has been, um, you know, popular within certain regions. However, we need uniformity of when these schemes are available in different regions. Yeah. They they vary. Yes. Yes. According so, to who the local authority is, and then they yeah. have their own. We need a bit more political... clarity and sort of consistency. Absolutely. Well, actually, people need a good broker, don't they? Absolutely. <laughs> and, then, and then all all problems disappear. Absolutely, and you need a, you need a broker who will look at every option yeah. and exhaust every yeah. option for that customer. I've got a stat for you that houses currently cost 8.3 times the average full time salary. Staggering, in England. isn't it? That's that's just. A, Unbelievable. I, I think as well. I think if you're talking with the with the southeast in general, yeah. uh, a lot of the first time buyers are into their late thirties mm. in instances, unless they have help from yeah. the bank of mum and dad or other schemes yeah. such as joint borrower or proprietor. Talk us through that one. So yeah, so it's a really long uh, title, isn't it? Joint borrower or proprietor. So when we speak to clients about this, they go, "What? What's that?" Yeah. Um, it's essentially the the old school guarantor kind of mortgage, uh, but with a ring fence around stamp duty. So mum or dad, family member, want to to help mm-hmm. uh, their their children. Uh, instead of going for that flat, they want to go for the house. And or we're looking at young professionals that know they're going to be earning more money the more years they're in their their job for. Essentially, allows us to use additional income from parents as such to boost the affordability uh, and get a more uh, get more on the on the lending. I remember seeing a statistic a while ago that Bank of Mum and Dad was like the tenth biggest lender in the country. Uh, I don't know if that's still the case or not. I, I would kind of presume it is. But are, are there are there sort of formal schemes where families can help? Yes, um, yeah, you're right. The 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 bank of mum and dad is is still very much prevalent in mm. in uh, first time buyers trying to get onto that market with yeah. purchase prices the way that they are at the moment, especially towards the south uh, where where prices are, are are crazy really. When it comes to help from from family, mm. you have got the joint borrower sole proprietor, which we'd mentioned before about um, being named on the more, uh, on the mortgage but not on the deeds, yeah. so that boosts the affordability. Mm. Uh, that ring fences them, so the stamp duty rules are. Uh, are not punishing them for helping family. You've also got uh, the Springboard Mortgage, which allows... Uh, to, to talk us through that one. So yeah, that's so something intergenerational, is it? Absolutely, yeah. So, so parents, rather than gifting money, and the gift usually can come from savings uh, or even money raised from their own remortgage as such. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this money sometimes doesn't want to be gifted. They'll need that for, for later life or to pay back down their mortgage okay. in the future. So what they'll do is they'll lock that into a savings account with a lender and the the savings mm. will attract interest, yeah. Uh, but also, but it's locked it's, away. They can't touch it. They can't touch it. They're, yeah. they're not they're unable to touch it for let's say five years on a five year fixed. So essentially, the the lender will offset that as a deposit uh, for the right. uh, for the first time buyers. Of, over a five year period, there should be enough equity in the home mm. from paying down that mortgage to then refinance them onto a new product. And should the the owner of the property default on their mortgage, then the lender has access to that, that that's, deposit. Yeah, that's, 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 their, the that's their collateral yeah. as such. I mean, it, it, it sounds creative. And, and I, actually, talking to you guys, it, it does feel that the mortgage market is creative and, and they are coming up with new schemes all the time. I guess it keeps you guys on your toes. <laughs> um, but, but also, it means that it's quite tough for consumers because there are permanently new and different things evolving. 
I don't think we can say that the lenders are, are not doing enough. They no, are. They're, they are they're, inventive. They're, they're, they're creating things. There's even a springboard offset now, which allows uh, the interest to be offset in the savings account from the money the parents have given and offset that against the interest that the uh, the applicants are paying. You so, lost me there, mate. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. But it, it's, it's a yeah. really in, innovative scheme. So I, I just think we need a bit more support from maybe government level with with possibly mm. stamp duty incentives for first time yeah. buyers i know we've got the the one up to 425,000 i think it is mm. but it it's it, there's there's other things that we can be that they can be doing Mabin, how how do you see things what's what's happening now what what should brokers be expecting that's a really good question but it's also a very tough question it's positive to see that lenders have already taken into account um, Bank of England base rate hikes and the current swap rates are lower than the Bank of England base rate. So although we can't mention any rates per se, it's good to know or or hopefully foresee that um, rates have bottomed out and hopefully we can see um, mortgage lenders continue to reduce mortgage rates. And obviously there was a conversation or consideration from the government about stamp duty potential changes coming in so it's good to see what will happen yeah. in that respect as well so you're sounding quite positive that's good Absolutely. you're giving us comfort i think we're starting to see a bit of stability yeah. in the market which we've not had for for a long time uh with with inflation kind of stabilizing and yeah. it's, it's not peak we're, we're, we actually have, have hopefully hit that peak mm. And we're seeing those rates consistently stay at the same level. We're not seeing rates changing three times in a week, um, which is absolutely crazy. I think the stability is key to people moving again. First time buyers pulling the trigger, which then enables the other people to move to the next property. Mm. People hate making these big decisions when when there's any uncertainty. And of course, we've we've got an election coming. So that I know Mm. will will have a little, just a little bit of a moment, Mm. won't it, people? But I would echo what Mitch said in terms of stability. Um, For sure, when you see mortgage rates, they have stabled. The only thing I would say as a broker would be it's so important to nurture our customers just now, keeping in touch with them. And it's not necessarily don't do anything. We need to help people continue to buy, continue to move the market. Mm. And rates, like you mentioned, have stabilised. So it it is still a time to to buy a property. If you can afford to buy a property, if you can afford to buy, it's still a time to buy a property. Wise words by Mabine. Thank you. (laughs) Mitch, any final thoughts for Um, me? Yeah, I just think we, it's such a confusing market for us as as brokers. Um, You can Mm. imagine how confusing this is for the consumer, uh, which is our our client. No, I don't. I can't imagine (laughs) Yeah, uh, it is a minefield. So we we can't assume that everyone knows as much as we do. Um, I know we're supposed to be the experts and it's, it's tough for us. So uh, communicate as much as you possibly can to to your clients, your existing clients, as well as new ones. Yeah. Uh, the types of schemes available, the types of advice is different for every person that comes through that door or who is yeah. on that call. You've got to keep yourself ahead because because it's a, it's a sort of moving feast, isn't it? All, all the advice and, and the regulations as well as all the products and the schemes. on our toes, Absolutely. doesn't it? Yeah. And I think nurturing customers, especially first-time buyers, is vital, regardless of when they buy a property, nurturing them, guiding yeah. them, holding their hands through yeah. the current market. Um, I don't think it's ever been more of an important yeah. time for first-time yeah, yeah. buyers. Would you say there are any trends or things coming down the pipeline that are going to replace help to buy? I think that's a great question, isn't it? I think help to buy has been so incredibly popular for 
various reasons that we, we mm. mentioned before. To fill that void is really tough because there's nothing really quite out there that fits customer in terms of their deposit requirements and loan to value and affordability, really. Yeah. There are options out there, which we which we have discussed. But right now, is there anything that completely fills mm. that void? In- but, I mean, maybe that's why it's come to an end, because it's done its job. It, it's done its job, but I think there's also more it could have done. Or I, came to an end at a wrong time. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think um, it has pushed people back into the second-hand market, the second-ownership uh, markets. We are still finding it challenging, though, because the affordability rules and the rates are so high at this moment in time, that nothing has really plugged that gap so there is essentially even more of a need i would say now than there mm. was two three years ago when the scheme was in place mm. i think with help to buy for, for new homes properties it's been incredibly successful as yep. we know what we do need going forward um, is lenders to take into consideration when a customer is buying a new homes property take into account that they are buying a newbie property which is more cost efficient to run in comparison to in comparison yeah. to a second-hand property. So we have stats from the HBF, which confirms that. But final question, if I may. Um, in Japan, they have, don't they have 100-year mortgages? So that proper, properly is generational <laughs> lending. Is, are we ever going to get that? I don't think so. No. I don't think we'll go anywhere near that. I don't okay. think the regulators would, would allow such a right. thing. I think there's a lot of... Um, Discussions with consumer duty at the moment as to keep preventing the client from foreseeable harm. Yes. Uh, and to offer someone a 100-year yes. mortgage and then pass that debt on to their children, yeah. I just don't think that would uh, okay. would fly with the FCA at this moment in time. Well, Mitch, Mabin, great to have you. Thank you so much for coming in. The views expressed by external guests in this podcast are their opinions only and do not necessarily reflect the views of Barclays. And just to point out, we recorded this episode on the 24th of October before the autumn statement and the latest Bank of England base rate decision. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Insider. I'm Phil Spencer and this has been a Fresh Air production for Barclays. Please do rate, review and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you next time.